Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, going solo. Unfortunately, uh, Jordan has some uh, family stuff going on here and can't make the podcast, so wish him well uh, if you're hearing this on Twitter or wherever else. You may uh, find him or run into him, uh, some stuff going on over there. But I wanted to get a pot out to you guys today uh, from uh, sunny Santa Monica here in California because there was lots and lots of Browns news today. And let's start with the bad news. I'm a bad news guy first. Uh, and that is Nick Chubb, Demetrik Felton, both tested positive for COVID, both are vaccinated. They could play Sunday, depending on if they can return the proper negative tests. But Kelly also, uh, the the practice squad guy, uh, came in in contact with them too. He's on the COVID-19 reserve list. So it is down to Dearness Johnson, basically right now, uh, as far as the depth chart with Kareem Hunt still on IR. So, you know, not sure if they'll bring somebody off the street. My guess is no. Frankly, uh, as long as Johnson is healthy and able to go in the game. And then I think, you know, hopefully these guys can come back. I'm not going to speculate. You never know uh, with something like this. But, you know, it's a little scary if Johnson's the only option. But I think, you know, for one week, you're just kind of crossing your fingers, hoping he doesn't get hurt. But he, you know, should know all the plays. We've seen he could be plenty effective. And then, you know, maybe – you, you know, teach uh, like a Jarvis Landry, like 10 plays, you know, as a in case of emergency, you know, you have to play running back. Here you go. I wouldn't be surprised if they already do that, uh, knowing how much Kevin Stefanski is a planner in his system. Uh, it does seem like they're prepared for every situation. Uh, at least it did last year with the, the COVID absences that they had. But this is a new one down to just one running back at the position. So we'll see, you know, again, not going to freak out until we know that these guys can't play. And then even then you still got Johnson. It's time to freak out if Johnson gets hurt and they don't bring in anybody else. But the real reason I wanted to record a podcast is Wyatt Teller signed an extension with the Cleveland Browns, a big one. Four years, over $28 million guaranteed. I think the total number is $56.8 million. And that is a big, big contract for Wyatt Teller. Ranks him now third among active guards. And one of those is Brandon Scherf, who's on the franchise tag. And then Joe Thune, of course, who just signed with the Chiefs this last offseason as a free agent. So, you know, my thoughts uh, on this, I, I think there are two big things here. Number one is it might be a slight overpay. I think I, you know, most of the projections I saw were like 11 to 12 million a year, and he's more in the 14 range. But, 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 this is exactly who you spend your money on if you're the Cleveland Browns. This is a guy that has just, he's an absolute masher in the run. That should continue you know, throughout the four years of this contract. That's not something you typically see decline all that much. He's been also very good in the past, which is why he, you know, he was rated as PFF's top guard last year. He's in the top three this year as well. So all of that 
lines up. But also, you know, beyond that, I think, you know, you're looking at, you know, Teller's age is a guy who's in the mid-20s. That's the kind of guy you want to extend for four years, you know, really get him through his prime for sure on this team. Uh, you know, th- that's what smart front offices do. And, and then beyond that, look, I love, love, love Joel Batoni. I absolutely love him. But he's on the different side of the aging curve, right? So Joel Batonio might not be back on this team in future years to come. So you want to make sure you've got one of those guards, you know, lined up as a stable guy that you can know, you know, to plug in, especially with the Browns identity, right? You know, they want to run the football. You know, they want to have a strong interior offensive line, you know, with a smaller quarterback like Baker Mayfield. So lock up this guy, especially because his counterpart is not somebody, you know, you have to worry about also giving a four year extension to at this point and keep Teller in the building. I thought that, you know, this year was going to be interesting for Teller. I brought it up in the preseason, you know, a guy that when the Browns traded for him, what had been fine, but not really, you know, crazy in his first couple seasons. I mean, and frankly, he had been a better pass blocker than run blocker. I think, uh, you know, in his Buffalo days, he, you know, I remember when that trade happened, watching some of the tape on him and some of his misses in the run game. He always played very really physical, but would kind of have weird leverage at times. That's just not been the case the last two years in Cleveland. So the I, I, last year was fantastic, obviously, but the question was, was that an outlier? You know, being all of a sudden this top-graded guard, is that going to be something that repeats year over year? And the answer so far has been yes. He's been absolutely dominant. He's one of the top rated guards in PFF once again. And the run blocking has been off the charts once again. And he just, in the most recent game, had maybe his most dominant performance of the season. And so you saw the jokes. I know Jake Burns tweeted a play out about this is the one that got, you know, oh, Wyatt Teller his extension. But he just absolutely mashed the Cincinnati Bengals. He absolutely mashed the Denver Broncos, when they played them, there are times when it's just Wyatt Teller is collapsing the defense. He just absolutely bending them to him. And I don't see any reason why that would change. I love this extension for the Browns from that front, even if it is a slight overpay, only because you're talking about a guard, right? This isn't a left tackle, but I don't know. He's he's so elite at the position. I, I think it's uh, not one that's going to be a big concern, especially as the salary cap rises throughout these four years. Now, I think the second piece of this that is interesting is the timing of it in terms of who they're giving these extensions to. And this was a big thing with the Cowboys, uh, you know, when they, you know, they extended Zeke. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait a second, not everybody here can get an extension. And the guy that got left out was Byron Jones, the corner. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case with Denzel Ward, but I do think there is something to the fact that the Browns extended Nick Chubb. They've now extended Wyatt Teller. And, you know, Baker's his own situation. But Denzel Ward is not sitting here with an extension. And, frankly, I think that's exactly how I would have prioritized it if I was the Browns. I would have prioritized Nick Chubb, number one, because you know what you're getting with him. He is one of the best running backs in the league. You get him through his prime. It was a favorable deal for him. And a guy that's for a running back has stayed relatively healthy. I know he's had some nicks here and there, but he's been pretty healthy. 
Number two, you know, I would have waited to see, hey, is Wyatt Teller playing at the same level he did last season? Yep, sign him right up. Offensive lineman, he's durable, he fits his team's identity, he's consistent, sign him up, you're ready to go. And then I think Ward is last out of those three guys in terms of where you should prioritize him, not only because of his durability, which I think is the number one reason, you know, that he's missed a lot of games throughout his career, but also his inconsistent play at times and I'm saying that knowing full well Denzel Ward played one of his best games as a Cleveland Brown last week no doubt about it not just the pick six not just you know the the other play but you put together the whole game he was great he's had some weeks where he's not been great and so I think right now the Browns are in a, a wait and see situation a little bit with Ward and part of the you know the Baker Mayfield conversation is also you know, there is not an unlimited salary cap space in the NFL, right? Like this is not the NBA. It's not the MLB. You know, this is a salary cap. You have to work within the constraints of for the most part. Yes, there are ways to get around it some, but if the Browns pay Baker Mayfield, they cannot and will not be able to pay everybody on this team. And I think, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., who we'll get to in a second, it was part of that in the plans no matter what for next year. I think Jarvis Landry may be part of that in the plans for next year. And there is a chance that Denzel Ward is part of that. Now, I think they will figure this out with him, especially because I don't think he's going to get top of the market money uh, as an NFL corner, but there is a chance of that. And, and I'm just, I'm putting that out there now so for Browns fans to understand that, you know, there are consequences, you know, to paying Baker Mayfield. And those are obviously sacrifices you're willing to make if you've got the quarterback locked up. And again, I think Denzel Ward will probably not have to be one of them, but you look at, you know, Wyatt Teller getting a couple million dollars more, I think, than, you know, he was projected in the spot tracks of the world and stuff like that. All of a sudden it starts to be a little bit of a cap crunch, you know, depending on what that Baker Mayfield number comes in at. So, something to have in the back of your mind over the, you know, the last half of the season and really more so into the off season is not sure everybody is going to make it here in Cleveland. So the Browns have, you know, clearly put their foot down and saying, Hey, we're going to prioritize the offensive line. We're going to prioritize a young guy like Wyatt Teller, who's been great. Who's been durable. I'm all for it, but just that has a ripple effect in other places as well. Something else that has a ripple effect is this OBJ situation. He cleared waivers officially, and that saves the Browns a couple million dollars. Just something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's ultimately going to make a huge difference here or there. And, you know, it was more important that they worked out some of the other stuff as far as cutting those last couple of years of his contract and all of that. And then, you know, just as a side note, I saw that, you know, Jordan Schultz reported his, uh, you know, the Packers are probably his preferred destination, also talking to a bunch of other teams, the Saints, the Patriots. Uh, I think I saw the Chiefs in there. But God, do I hope he goes to the Packers. And you're saying, Henry, you, you want him to go opposite Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Sign me up for Aaron Rodgers and Odell Beckham Jr. trying to make it work with their personalities. Oh, my God, do I want that. I think... It will be perfect in terms of it will be juicy. It will be newsworthy. 
even if it's going well for eight games, all of a sudden a couple bad passes in the NFC wildcard game, maybe a drop and they're freaking out. It could be, you know, a, a spark that goes off and ignites into a fire at any second. And I am here for it. Get him out of the AFC North, get him out of the AFC, get him to the Packers. Sure. I want to watch it happen. I think that's way more fun than the saints as a neutral NFL fan slash somebody who might be rooting for more Odell Beckham Jr. drama in the future. All right, now to the matchup between the New England Patriots and the Cleveland Browns. Lots and lots and lots of interesting stuff here. It's a huge game for both teams. Absolutely massive game for both teams. You just you look at the AFC standings. You look at, frankly, the fact that the Browns are in trouble right now as far as tiebreakers because their record against the AFC is not very good. They need this game. They still really need this game. And it can't be a letdown spot for them. They cannot let that happen because it was a big week last week against the Bengals. Lots of drama, lots of emotion. All of that, the team clearly rallied, and that's awesome. That is great. But they need to string together multiple wins, not just one. And this is a big opportunity uh, against the Patriots. You know, you know you've got the Lions next week as well, so can't count that as a W by any means. But it, all of a sudden, you get the, the ability to go on a little run here if done properly. However... That's saying quite a bit, you know, that there's this Browns team is five and four, but so are the Patriots. So are a number of other teams, you know, a lot of inconsistency around the NFL right now. So we, uh, we will see where the Browns are at. I expect them to come in focus because that's the nature of their head coach. He is a pretty consistent level headed guy. And I think teams mostly adopt that, you know, the, the mentality of their head coach, but I wouldn't be shocked in a league that is, you know, typically tied to lots of emotion if the Browns let down here a little bit, but they cannot afford to do that with what's on the line. And this is an interesting game too, because, you know, you think Patriots, yes, five and four, but they've also had a really strange season, you know, so far as far as a couple of different things. Number one, you know, there was a point here a couple of weeks ago where before they got on a three game run of their own, where, they were two and four and it didn't look like things were all that great because their two wins were against the jets and the Texans. Now they beat the jets again. They beat the chargers. They beat the Panthers. They've, you know, the losses have been good, but the wins there were a little concerning. And now all of a sudden people are gaining steam with the Patriots because you look at it, the losses have been close to the box and close to the Cowboys. And, you know, maybe this makes a little bit more sense as far as their schedule is concerned, a lot of the advanced numbers are starting to like them more. But here's another thing that's been weird about their season. They haven't been very good at home. Now, that's in part based on who they played there. You know, they lost to the Saints and the Bucks at home and the Cowboys at home, three pretty good teams in the NFC that you would expect to make the playoffs over there. But, you know, they also lost to the Dolphins at home who are not very good. And they have one win at home as I look at their schedule. And that's the Jets. 
So weird that this team is one and four at home. You know, Foxborough typically has been a very difficult place to play over the years, but part of you has to wonder, was that Tom Brady maybe more so than Foxborough itself? Who's to say? But it's a pretty raucous fan base, so I don't know. It's just weird. It, it could be a, a total anomaly, but it is something to keep an eye on, too, as the Browns travel to Foxborough this week. And then the other just kind of high-level thing that I am so not looking forward to, and this has just been a rant I have been on for years is hearing all of the Belichick Browns, you know, he was the coach here. Oh, they fired him. Yada, yada, yada. I will say it once. I'm sure I've said it on this podcast before, but I will say it again. And this is the last of it this week. The organization that fired Bill Belichick resides in Baltimore currently, not Cleveland. That is all. That's the last I'm going to say of it. Let's get into the actual game the actual matchups on the field and let's start with the Patriots offense versus the Browns defense I think this is a, a an interesting side of the ball uh, for a number of reasons uh, first of all the Patriots can run the ball uh, I think I saw they're actually the number one PFF rated team running the football that is surprising to me uh, their offensive line I think at times has been mediocre uh, in terms of the run blocking the pass blocking now part of that's been injuries Absolutely. They have not been healthy at all points this year, but also I think this offensive line has been disappointing in terms of what we thought they were going to be coming into the season. And that's from both a a run and pass blocking perspective, but the running backs have been really good. I don't expect them, you know, to be a big over the top team. All of a sudden in this game, they've played pretty conservative throughout, but they are, you know, right up. There was, you know, some of the best uh, running teams that I, I think the, you know, the, the, the Browns have faced. And you look at it, you know, based on their schedule, there just hasn't really been a team that's challenged them in that way. And I'm not too, too concerned about it. But what I will say is this. I am a little bit because of, I think, I think the Patriots put a lot of stress on the linebackers in their system because of the running the ball. First of all, I'm worried about the tackling of the Browns. Anthony Walker has been better the last couple of weeks, but Mac Wilson, as everybody on this podcast knows, is not my favorite. And I think tackling is in particular, one of those reasons why uh, I think there's a few other Browns linebackers that have always not been great in, in tackling <clears throat> situations and their safeties aren't that fantastic too. That's a running game. I think the Patriots intermediate passing game is also going to put a lot of stress on those linebackers and safeties in the middle of the field. Hunter Henry, John Smith have all of a sudden gotten on track the last couple of weeks and the Patriots are way better passing out of heavy personnel than they are out of three wide receiver sets. It's been the analytics community has been harping on it for the last four or five weeks for anybody that's in, you know, involved in that side of things. The Patriots pass way better out of heavy personnel, and that's because they have the threat of the run. They get teams in base defenses, and then they can use those athletic tight ends in space. And I think the Browns are susceptible to that. Now, the good thing is I don't think the Browns are really going to be concerned with the Patriots' deep passing game, nor should they be. I, you know, I think the, the, on the outside, these corners for the Browns match up pretty well, coming off a big week last week. I don't think 
the Patriots are going to stress them uh, in a lot there. So to me, the big thing I'll be watching here is how much does John Johnson play in the box and get involved in the run game? I'm really curious to see about that because that's been a thing that, that, you know, Chick Burns has pointed out and some other people, as far as the splits between, you know, last year and this year in terms of, you know, when he was with the Rams, he played a lot more in the box. He's been playing a lot more in coverage, partly because of the personnel on the Browns. You know, when he plays with Ronnie Harrison, he is the, the coverage safety typically. And while Grant Delbert has been in there at times, that's not usually uh, been, you know, the case. So, you know, do they play more Grant Delpit and stick John Johnson the third in the box? Do they just mix up the safeties in, in there and find a way to get him in the box more? Other personnel groupings. I really want to see that. I think he could be the big key to this Browns, you know, success uh, if they have it against the Patriots. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a huge pressure game for the Miles Garrett's and company just because the Patriots get the ball out quick. When you watch them, it is a lot of quick passing. It's going to be tough, I think, to get to Mac Jones in this game. So the Browns are going to be successful on defense. I think it's can those safeties play better? Can John Johnson in particular disrupt the, the, the passing and running in the middle of the field? And then can the linebackers tackle soundly? So not loving the Browns matchup on the defensive side of the football here, but I do think there are some opportunities for some guys with who have the reputation of being able to do some of this stuff. Can they actually deliver on it on the field in, in ways they haven't at times this season? Now flip over to the other side of the football. This is where I, I do like things for the Browns for a number of reasons. The Browns should be able to run on the Patriots. They should be able to run on, on this front they can run on pretty much anybody, but the Brown, you know, assuming the Patriots just don't do something crazy like we, frankly, we've seen from the Cardinals and a few other teams where they come out with a really, really heavy front. I do think the Browns will be able to run on this team. These linebackers are not good. In fact, they're terrible. The Patriots linebackers are really bad. And I think because there are some big names who have performed well for the Patriots in the past, people are just ignoring it, I guess, or not talking about it as much as they should. But like Kyle Van Noy has been awful this season. Terrible. Every time I watch him, I'm like, what is he doing out there? So he's been bad. The other guy that everybody was talking about is Hightower, a guy that, you know, was absent last season and all of a sudden is back in the lineup. And he's been bad too and now maybe slightly better against the run and more so it's the passing game where i think he's really been exposed but man these linebackers are bad and as i said i think the browns are going to be able to run the football on them and then from the passing perspective i think they also should be able to take advantage of these guys a lot we know how much the browns love the tight ends we know how much they love the middle of the field if they can get jarvis landry on linebackers like to me, this is a slam dunk matchup as far as that stuff. I think it's going to be a super low output for the wide receivers once again in this game. I don't think you're going to see a lot of crazy numbers from the receivers. You know, Jalen Mills hasn't been good really for the past, but he's been better than he was in Philadelphia. They've got J.C. Jackson. There's not a lot of, you know, matchup advantages there. I, you know, it, 
Mills would be the guy, you know, maybe with a Donovan Peoples Jones, you can get him matched up against Mills and go at him. But the safeties have been pretty good for the Pats too. So I just, I don't see as much opportunity there. Here's the thing to be concerned about. I think is Matthew Judon has been an absolute disruptor for them on the edge. You know, do the Patriots find a way uh, with the Browns tackles to figure something out there? You know, I thought Blake Hans played well last week. I thought Jed Wills has played much better, you know, since sitting out a couple games with his ankle injury, but I do think there's still the weakness compared to the interior. And I wonder, can the Patriots cause enough confusion create enough one-on-one matchups where maybe, you know, Judon can be that kind of game wrecker for them. That's how I see them maybe potentially surprising the Browns. You know, Bill Belichick on the defensive side of the football is going to come up with something, but I'm just not quite sure what it is. I don't know. I haven't been as impressed with this, impressed with this Patriots defense the way everybody else has. And the guy I think could really break it, and this won't surprise anybody based on what I just said, is David Njoku. Him in space against these linebackers. Oof. Oh, I am excited. Oh, I am excited, excited, excited to watch that because I think he is going to have a big day against the Patriots on Sunday. Big, big day. So that's my and a key guy to watch on that side of the ball. As I said, John Johnson on the other side of the ball. So overall, Patriots favored by two and a half here, you know, at home saying the Browns are a slightly better team on a neutral field. I think that's about right that I, I would have the Browns as a slightly better team, but Patriots, you know, favored because they're at home. Uh, if you couldn't tell from my previous, you know, uh, analysis, there's a game I like the over. I think the Browns are going to be a, uh, struggling a little bit. I think it could be a little Houston Texans-y where there's not, you know, a ton of points, but you're also like, man, Mac Jones is 10 for 12. He's kind of moving the ball. I think you could see one of those games here. And then I also think the Browns are going to be able to move the ball just fine. I like the Browns chances. I would probably take them against the two and a half. I just think, you know, it's reductive, but what Baker Mayfield do we get? On Sunday, do we get the Cincinnati Baker Mayfield or do we get, you know, the Minnesota Vikings Baker Mayfield? That's the variable that makes the Browns so tough to predict at this point. But he looked obviously much better last week after taking the week off and and no big hits or anything like that would, you know, would think the injury has gotten any worse. And, And let's just face it, like I said on the, you know, the recap podcast, He looks better without Odell Beckham Jr. I expect that to continue, so I will be betting on the Browns, I think, this weekend. And then, you know, one of these other things I just I want to point out as, you know, my concern would be from a coaching perspective, Bill Belichick is one of the best game planners in the league. And with a guy, you know, like Baker, who who likes to do what he likes to, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff, you could see a situation where, Maybe Belichick comes in with a crazy game plan and is able to take away something that the Browns really like to do. Maybe he does run one of those, you know, six, two fronts and just not let the Browns run at all. And then Baker's having a bad day. Sure. All of that could happen. So I preface this by saying Bill Belichick is still one of the best game planners in the league. But that being said, 
he's sneakily become one of the worst in-game coaches in the league. The Patriots are super conservative. They don't go for it on fourth down when they should. They don't open up the game plan, I think, as much as they should early on in games with Mac Jones, I guess, because he's a rookie quarterback. He looked pretty good to me, but for some reason, they seem hesitant to, to do that at times. So I know Browns fans have been frustrated with Kevin Stefanski at times in terms of his going for it on fourth down, but go look at you know how the Browns start and end halves. They're one of the best teams starting and ending halves this season. And that's in part because Stavansky is great at managing the clock. He's great at getting that kind of stuff, you know, nailed down. He goes for it in the right situations. He's aggressive. I think that could play in the Browns favor in this game. I really do. So that's the other thing. Keep your eye on that. I know everybody loves Bill Belichick and they, and for a hundred percent justified reasons, but as he's gotten older, and I think you see this with coaches in other sports, the Greg Popoviches of the world, sometimes they don't always change with the times, and other teams can get an advantage, you know, by doing some of these more modern things, you know, adopting some more modern principles. So just my thoughts, just my take. But overall, I, I think this is going to be an exciting game. I think this is going to be must-see TV. I don't think it's a huge blowout one way or the other. I think this is going to be exciting. I think the stakes are high. I can't wait for this game Sunday, Browns fans. I hope you feel the same way. So until next time, Browns fans, just two words for you. Go Browns.